Welcome to Off Screen. Let's get cinematic. I'm Van Connor. And I'm Bex Perfect. And Off Screen is your seven day guide to everything movies. Boom. But boom on the couch this time, because we're all on lockdown. And that's got some very bizarre connotations to it. <laughs> Boom on the couch, boom on the couch. Yeah, let's let's try not to dwell, shall we? Although, speaking of dwelling and holding grudges, I mean, the film world obviously continues, even though the cinemas aren't open and everything at the moment. The film world has to continue functioning, planning for, you know, when times are restored. And, of course, we keep getting these stories every day about... Uh, this city and this country is going to reopen its cinemas on so-and-so. China reopened its cinemas recently in the state of Georgia and Florida. I'm sure you can still go to theatres. But of course, um, there's something of a war a-brewing, Miss Perfect, between uh, some of these theatre chains and uh, some of the studios that uh, they see as having betrayed them a a little bit. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I kind of didn't really think much of this news story. And it's obviously, the news story is, is that Universal is now no longer going to have any of its movies shown in Odeon cinemas. And this is obviously escalated because Cineworld has now jumped on the bandwagon as well. And in the US, you've got Regal and AMC as well. And these are all sort of owned by, they're all sort of intertwined, these companies internationally yeah. as well. And it's down to a bit of feud from the CEO of Universal and I assume the CEO of uh, initially AMC or whoever owns that check, that umbrella company. Um, and it, it, it's all down to a bunch of pesky trolls. <laughs> it is. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Because Universal made, I think it was something like 10 times more with the digital release of Trolls than they did with their next highest grossing digital film, which was Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. And this is the argument they're using as well. There's obviously a, a, you know an audience there for it. We shall pursue other options. They've not specifically said, we're going to put this film out, this film out, this film out, on that format. They've just said they like to pursue it as an option. Uh, which, you know, they're a business. One understands the bottom line obviously and especially right now there's there's no other game in town so perfect time to do it right now sure but theater owners are they've always been a bit touchy about what they call the uh, the release window between a film opening in cinemas and the public being able to watch it at home. I remember Disney starting a row 10 years ago with uh, Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. They wanted to take the window down to only 90 days. And I remember that being a, a cause for significant chaos. And now we get all these chains that are saying, well, we're banning all Universal films because we object to this practice. The only problem is, of course... Not exactly a small label to uh, to turn down there. No, but also, I, I do believe you know we're 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 at a very tricky time for a lot of different industries. The only way that Odeon will survive is by us all going back to the cinemas. And of course, yeah. And we don't know when that is. You know, we don't know if something like a cinema chain, as with like the pubs and bars and stuff, is going to be the last thing to open once this lockdown is lifted. So. Obviously, there's a tetchy subject there with them. But to start burning your bridges with all of your major, essentially, suppliers, this <laughs> yeah, exactly. one. Um, so, you know, ultimately, if this war escalates in the way that it's currently snowballing, we could see cinemas having a massive backfire on them because all of mm. the... Um, all of if, if, if there's a much bigger audience and it's proving a path for... Um, for studios to say, look, we're making X times amount more money by just releasing things on uh, video on demand. Yeah. Cinema has been declining year on year anyway. Is this actually the beginning of the end for cinemas? And is the way that we're consuming media, consuming content, just fully going down to a small screen? That is where the dangerous line of this feud is actually going. Mm. I do think that there is a concern that this may just backfire on all of the cinema chains. 
That's the thing, isn't it? I think because they don't seem to be talking to each other, which seems to be the problem. And, again, it's one of those dilemmas, isn't it, where you can see every side of it? Because, you know, you sit there and think, I would rather pay £25 to rent a new release film and watch it at home if it's a drama for it. I don't have to put up with the the annoying crowds. I don't have to put up with someone taking their phone out in the film. But at the other end of the spectrum, I would also prefer to go to an IMAX screen for the next Fast and Furious film. I would prefer to see Wonder Woman in 4DX. I would prefer to see a horror movie on a Friday night in a crowded multiplex with teenage girls screaming. You know, there's, there's different settings for different films, I think. And when these people agree, that's when we'll find the happy medium. Yeah, I, I know. But actually, even that experience has a time limit on it. I mean, year on mm. year, as much as cinemas are kind of declining, we're seeing better technology that is going through and creating better, um, you know, better viewing experiences. So sooner mm. rather than later, we're going to see that IMAX experience at somehow in our own home. We don't know how that's going to happen, but I don't think that something like that is too far off. So- I'm experimenting, Bex. I'm trying to find ways to turn my home into an IMAX screen. I promise. Look, I'm getting close. We might make some money if you manage to work <laughs> <laughs> that one out. Anyway, that is obviously the big dominating news of the week. It's actually quite nice to have some big, albeit bad, I know. big news from the film industry. Uh, keeps us very much entertained. But something that maybe didn't keep us as entertained as I would suggest it did is a film that is out on video on demand this week it's called The Assistant it stars uh-huh. uh, Matthew McFadden and remind me again of the, the wonderful lady Julia Garner is I believe the lead you think of she looks very familiar and I couldn't place her and do you know what it, it turned out I remembered her from Grandma with Lily Tomlin oh. uh, a couple of years ago uh, which I thought she was great in. And do you know what? Actually, she is a very good actress. She's still good here, I think. Yes. Now, this is the story of, I suppose it's slightly, well, it's obviously reflective of, of things that are highlighted within the Me Too movement, but it follows um, Julia's character, Jane. She is a young intern or on the first step of the ladder working for a big entertainment mogul. And she's working in the office. So she's the first one in, the last one out. And it's the monotony of this job which is displayed in the film The Assistant. And ultimately, she starts to see certain elements of abuse that is kind of put towards her because of where she sits on this ladder. And eventually, she moves towards making a stand for this. Hi. What address do you have? Okay, uh, hang on. Right. I'm not sure what happened there. Um... Sorry, who? Okay, let me check on that. I'll get back a to you. Uh, hey, there's a girl waiting at reception. She says that she's supposed to start here today. Working here with us? Where's she from? Where's she from? Idaho. Idaho? Idaho? Is that the one you met in Sun Valley? Oh, her. She's been here before a few times. Uh, Send her in. Now, first and foremost, um, what I would say is not a lot has happened in that clip. (laughs) And that's pretty reflective of... (laughs) Am I wrong? You're, you're not wrong at all. I mean, the first thing about it, I mean, it looks, it's a very sexy looking film. It's got a very Soderbergh look yeah. to it. You know what I mean? That raw, that raw verisimilitude to it. I thought, okay, this is a good looking film. This is like girlfriend experience does swimming with sharks. Yeah, I can get really down with this. Good analogy, actually. The girlfriend experience is exactly what I was thinking when I first saw it, but without all the smut. Um, uh, also, slight difference. Uh, the girlfriend experience is a very good movie. This, less so. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, Now, interestingly, 
there's been a lot of hype about this and buzz. Definitely, and definitely. I think this is the classic case of critics are going, are lauding it because it's a very <laughs> premise and it is executed very well to what it's mm -hmm. to do. But is it compelling to watch? My suggestion no. Um, it is the point of the film is to is to bring out the monotony of what her day to day life is, and I'm like, I'm so down with all of that. However, when it carries on for an hour and a half, I'm no longer mm. down with that. And it's yeah, I understand. Yeah, it's it's too laboured, isn't it? I mean, I get that we need to feel the ennui, we need to feel the minutiae of her day to day. And don't get me wrong, Julia Garner does absolutely sell the reality of that, the uh, the stylistic uh, approach that they've taken, that Kitty Green has taken in directing this. Um, I think, like I say, taking that Soderbergh angle, it does it does sell that idea. The problem is, I don't think there's really enough to there's not enough meat to the story. I think beyond that stylistic bent to really sell it to really captivate you and to really keep you interested one great performance does not a film make sadly exactly and i'm just i'm totally with you on this um i'm not sure what i was expecting from it i firstly firstly i thought it was a foreign film to start off with because i'm <laughs> seeing about it was it was in... american films don't look this good <laughs> but also i think i i messaged you and said are there subtitles to this <laughs> <laughs> so I had, I was not caught up in the hype with it, which I think not a lot of people will be. You know, it, it's one of those things. And so if you're coming into this and you're thinking, I want a film that tells me about uh, a topical element that happened a couple of years ago, but also something that is focusing in on a character study, this might do it. Unfortunately, it doesn't live up to what the expectations are. I think I'd rather watch the Margot Robbie scenes from Bombshell again, personally. For um, um, uh, you know, this done equally and equally arresting, equally entertaining, and well acted. For me, that's just and I get two thirds of that. I get two thirds more in Bombshell as well because I get Nicole and Charlie's as well. So there's that going for it. What do you give it uh, thumb wise? What are you giving it? Oh, I'm going to give it half a thumb. Like it's, a half a it's thumb. beautiful to look at, but not much more. I'm giving it one thumb just for the the stylist, uh, the stylistic tone and that performance, which I think are both great. But again, one performance does not a film make. So this is on digital. This is one on digital from uh, today. So this is from uh, Friday the 1st of May. So you can view this in your own home. Although, to be honest, you may not want him. Welcome back to Off Screen. Now, we probably ended that last segment on a little bit of a, a Debbie Down. <laughs> a little bit. To, to bring you right back up with your spirits because we've got all your top movies on TV. So if you are have got Freeview, you have got a plethora of brilliant things to watch this week. And we've got a Bruce Willis classic kicking us off on Saturday. ITV for 11.20pm. It's a late one, The Last Boy Scout. Now, this must be a big favourite of yours, Van. Oh, I love this film so much. It has <laughs> everything about movies that I love all so many different like things about movies that I love all in one <laughs> place it's got explosions it's got Halle Berry stripping it's got Bruce Willis as a grizzled alcoholic wisecracking private eye it's got Damon Wayans as a wise ass you know buddy cop sidekick it's got Kim Coates from Sons of Anarchy having the absolute crap beaten out of him it's got everything I need from a film and more it's even got a, a sort of tween age Danielle Harris giving everyone sass which is what all movies in the early 90s needed and of course 
It's got a script by Shane Black and direction from Tony Scott. I mean, what more do I need for the film? This is, of course, the buddy, sort of a, a, a Philip Marlowe for the 1990s type adventure in which disgraced P.I. Joe Hallenbeck, Bruce Willis, is forced to team up with disgraced NFL linebacker Damon Wayans and they go off to solve the murder, the, nay, the assassination of Halle Berry's stripper character. How'd she afford a place like this? These joints must run a fortune. Tell me about it. I pay the rent. Oh, isn't that junk? She sounds like a real special girl. What else you give her money for? Clothes? Car payments? Yo, it wasn't like that. <laughs> Corey could have plenty of rich guys. Me, she loved. Oh, love. Well, forget about it then. You don't believe in love? Yeah, I believe in love. I believe in cancer. What, they're both diseases? Something like that. And ladies and gentlemen, if you were ever wondering what a monologue featuring the word nay from Van Connor <laughs> had it there and then to the last Boy Scout. So need we say more, good sir? Probably not. It's so good. I mean, have you seen it? Did you watch it when you were a kid? I did. I did. I have to say it's going to be one that I'm going to revisit again because it's been a good 20 years since I've seen it. But um I just remember being far too young to watch it and enjoying it far too much. If you ever want to really, really stump a film nerd like me, here's the question you ask them. Don't ask them what their favourite film is, because everyone always gets asked that question. Whenever whenever they're at a bar or a cocktail party and someone finds out you're a film critic or a film nerd, the first question they ask is, do you get this when you go to bed? What's your favourite film, Bex? Hey, what's your favourite film? Yeah, I get this. Right, the, the better question to ask is, what's the best Shane Black movie? Uh-huh. Oh. Now that's a stumper. Yeah, that is a stumper. Although, when people ask me what my favourite movie is, it's without a shadow of a doubt. And I have to say, Josh Gad just upped it in my ranks this week. It's The Goonies. And oh, you went on that as well. Yeah, and I loved, I loved that he brought the cast back together this week. Anyway, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling uplifted. I feel like I should just get on up, which is exactly what we should be doing <laughs> on Sunday night. I'm sorry, that is a, such a cheesy segue there. Um, our next movie, Get On Up, is on film for 11, 10 p.m. I'm, I'm acting as if I've, I've, I've seen this. <laughs> have you not? Have you not, not had the pleasure of this? Yeah, I've not had the pleasure of this. No, tell me more. This, this kind of got, like, skirted by upon its release, and it's the movie that made me, I think, properly fall in love with Chadwick Boseman. I'd seen him in a couple of things and thought, he was quite impressive and then I saw this I'm like oh my god Chadwick Boseman got to keep an eye on this guy and then you know boom he's T'Challa and the rest is history yeah. uh, so this is this is the Black Panther playing James Brown in yeah. the James Brown biopic and it's a warts and all it's a full walk the line type experience however being James Brown you can imagine this comes with a lot more funk woman I called you yesterday you went home I was home all day. You were home all day? Why didn't you pick up? I, I don't... I don't know. What, what time did you call? Called you at one. I called you again a quarter after. Called you again at two, and then I called you at three. Well, you must have wanted to talk to me pretty bad. Where were you? In the bathtub. For two hours? You want me to take shorter baths? We don't have a phone in the bathroom, Jane. Well, damn, what you gonna do? You gonna find me? And, of course, heavy-handed domestic drama as well, because none of these famous stars ever had seemingly innocent lives, it would seem. And Chadwick Boseman really does play it to perfection. This is a movie that literally opens with him being flown over Vietnam with his band as there are shells being fired at the, at the sky at them. And he declares, they're trying to kill James Brown. They're trying to kill the funk. And I'm like, I'm in. 
I'm in. If that's your opening line, I'm in. I'm in, sir. You've got me. You know what, though? It's interesting because, you know, these kind of biopics tend to do very well and get very well known amongst award season and things like that. Get on up. I, The hype wasn't as there as maybe, you know, what's love got to do with it. Uh, Ray. Exactly, yeah. It's interesting. Would you say that it's just been sadly missed or do you think it's, it just doesn't quite hit the mark? Uh, I think it's. I think it was just you know a wrong place, wrong time for it to be released. I think if it had been released a few months earlier, it may have had some some Oscar contention. There may have been low level buzz. I don't think it is a proper Oscar caliber film, but I think Chadwick Boseman is great in it. Um, it's directed by Tate Taylor as well, who gave us the help a few years before this. Right. Um, who you know usually turns out quite interesting if workman like projects, but usually with some nuance and depth. Them. This is a good biopic if you don't know the James Brown story or you're just a fan of movies like. Like, you know, Walk the Line or Ray or things like that. This is definitely a worthy one to have in that set, and it's absolutely worth checking out. Just for Bosewick's, uh, uh, Bose, Bosewick? Bosemans. Chadwick <laughs> Boseman. I quite like Chad Chadman Boswick? It's worth checking for Chadman Boswick's performance, clearly. Yeah, I quite like it. It sounds like my latest soundbar that I'm going to need to buy for the <laughs> um, Chadman Boswick. Yeah, so you can catch that. Uh, get on up, film for 11 pm, and let us know what you guys think uh, in terms of whether or not this should have been award-worthy or not, but we'll wait and see. So, moving swiftly on to a great film of the last few years. Uh, this is on. This the- was Oscar caliber, wasn't it? It really was. This is Hidden Figures. It's on Film 4, 9 o'clock. If you haven't seen this, oh my goodness, I would urge you to do it. It's the story of three women, uh, three black ladies, who worked within NASA, and it's at a time of um, segregation. It's at the time in which it wasn't... It's pre the first moon, moon launch, isn't it? Is it yeah. pre the, the mission to the moon? Pre yeah. Apollo 11? But these three ladies ha- were so integral to to things that were going on in NASA. They were geniuses within their own right. Um, mm. And a story which you just think, because of that nature, is going to be compelling is, is, is exactly what it is. But what you don't expect is for it to be as funny as it was. There is another opening in the engineer training program. A person with engineer's mind should be an engineer. You can't be a computer the rest of your life. Mr. Zelensky, I'm a Negro woman. I'm not going to entertain the impossible. And I'm a Polish Jew whose parents died in a Nazi prison camp. Now I'm standing beneath a spaceship that's going to carry an astronaut to the stars. Let me ask you, if you were a white male, would you wish to be an engineer? I wouldn't have to. I'd already be one. And of course, poignant and punchy as Janelle Monet demonstrates for us. And like, how great is Janelle Monet? I love um, Janelle Monet. They're all so good in this film. Uh, re- remind me again of it's, um, Viola. Da- no, not Viola Davis is in there. So, no, no, it's not. And you know why you make that mistake? It's because I've just mentioned The Help 30 seconds yeah, ago. That- it's Octavia <laughs> Spencer who was also in The Help. Yes! That's it. So, yeah, just brilliant performances. Um, And Taraji, obviously. We've got to single out Taraji P. Henson in there as well. she's fantastic. And the thing is that, yes, there are comedic moments in this, but Taraji P. Henson Henson is just so known for all of her comedic roles. But she's just fantastic in this as well. I've seen it a couple of times. I watched it on a plane and I watched it in the cinema as well. I was blown away by it both times. And it's just something that you can pick up and watch again 
multiple times to just really I'm just gonna it. I'm just gonna point out for irony's sake you watching this on a plane is extra poignant given that you will have been flying using technologies that you know at least one of these women will have had a hand in designing exactly. <laughs> exactly. it's just insane and like isn't it one of them was helped with the the um launch of the first Dell computer and yeah yeah, like that. yeah. is that Catherine Johnson I'm not sure yeah, but it it's worth seeing isn't it oh it so is you'll learn a bit about history you'll also learn about these incredible women and it's a brilliantly balanced funny dr- dramatic film and it kind of works in both ways so in terms of your weekend seeing into the start of your new week you've got so much on offer um and it's a really really good selection so what we've got coming up for you is the second half of the week and i think you lot are not going to be disappointed And we're back, and don't you dare get off that couch, because we're keeping you there with some cinematic delights for the Freeview week ahead. So let's start with Tuesday, then, Miss Perfect. This is a movie I enjoyed very much. I saw this at a secret screening in uh, 2013. Didn't know anything about the film. Saw it, and I really loved it. And this is uh, Louis Leterrier's 2013 action-comedic heist romp of sorts. It's Now You See Me, which is showing on Film 4 at 6.50, and stars the likes of uh, Aaron Eisenberg, Woody Harrelson, Isla Fisher, Dave. Dave Franco, not James Franco, Dave Franco. He's got a brother. What's his name? Dave Franco? Why, yes, it is. And Mark Ruffalo and Morgan Freeman. And there's a hell of a cast to this, isn't there? And it's, it's, it should be a hell of a cast because it literally is magic. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, this is this is sort of uh, every kind of, of magician, aren't they? The different yeah. kinds of magicians who band together. They are the ultimate heist artists. And this is basically sort of an ocean-style romp in which the investigating officer, played by Mark Ruffalo in full Columbo mode, and boy is he good at that uh, has to uh, entrap and catch these would-be heist artists let me warn you i want you to follow because no matter what you think you might know we will always be one step three steps seven steps ahead of you and just when you think you're catching up that's when we'll be right behind you and at no time will you be anywhere other than exactly where i want you to be so come close get get all over me because the closer you think you are the less you'll actually see i'm gonna nail you First rule of magic, always be the smartest guy in the room. That was the marketing line for the film as well, always be the smartest guy in the room. I really enjoyed this film. And actually, if I'm not wrong, I read some news this week which suggests that there's a Now You See Me 3 going to be made. Yeah, this has been this has been on the way for a while. Apparently it's going to centre on a new team of magicians with like mentor roles for the older ones. Okay. Apparently they want to set up a Chinese spin-off as well through it because the movie's very popular in China as well. Um, I think it's a really fun film. The sequel's garbage, but I think yeah. the first one's really good. Do you know, I just, I just enjoy anything with magic. <laughs> <laughs> and I think actually if you like seeing like how tricks are done and what's created and what they mm. can do and it kind of, I like that Ocean's feel to it that puts it into a completely different context and I think that works really really well you've got a great cast as you've mentioned you know if you've got a film with Woody Harrelson in it's always going to be really good um, and the, the effects are just brilliant within it as well so the only thing yeah. I thought was missing was is Anna Kendrick's not in it is she? Anna Kendrick's not in this one no like it's a film that I'd expect to see Anna Kendrick in for some weird reason <laughs> <laughs> she'd be good in this she'd be good she does a good thriller as we found out in a simple a simple favor i think yeah exactly so i just um yeah i just would love to have seen her in it so maybe that's going to be a surprise bit of casting for the third one who knows 
those. Maybe, um, maybe. But as we say, it is on Film 4, 6.50pm. Perfect time once you put the kiddies to bed to just sit down, relax, and it's just an easy watch as well. So that's on Film 4 on Tuesday. Moving on to Wednesday, Sony Movies, 9pm. You're going to have to remind me of this one. It's Legion. Okay, so imagine, if you will... The plot of, of uh, High Noon or Assault on Precinct 13, which is, you know, we're in a small location, we have to stop the bad guys from getting in. But imagine if you took that plot and you combined it with Terminator with Angels, and that is Legion. So, the Angel, I think... <laughs> Yeah, so the angel Michael, played by Paul Bettany, comes to Earth ahead of the impending apocalypse in order to protect the uh, unborn child who will go on to become the saviour of the human race. And his mum happens to be a knocked-up waitress, played by Adrian Palicki. The fellow survivors who must all band together under Michael's leadership include the likes of Lucas Black from Fast and Furious, Tokyo Drift, none other than Dennis Quaid, Charles S. Dutton, and uh, I forget the name of the actress who plays Thea in Arrow, but she's in there as well. And of course, you can't have any movie ever without Tyrese Gibson, because they're all better with Tyrese in them. Tell you what, I'll give you a clip. The last time God lost faith in man, he sent a flood. This time he sent what you see outside. Are you saying this is the apocalypse? I'm saying this is an extermination. Those things outside are just vessels. They're possessed. The weakest will to the easiest to turn. Possessed by what? Demons? No. No. By angels. He's in full Jarvis mode there, isn't he? Good old Paul Betts. Good old Paul Bethany. Now, I assume this is just based on a true story. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, when you were talking about the angel Gabriel coming down, slightly different, but but... But along the lines, I thought it was going to go a lot darker, and I was going to say it's, it's very dark. Well, have you definitely seen, dark? Very, very horror tinged. Have you seen Stigmata with Patricia Arquette and Gabriel Byrne? And Gabriel Byrne, yeah, yeah, yeah I love that film. I think does it follow along those kind of lines? Would you say? No, this is a lot more of a you know let's mow down demons with the two automatic weapons we have kind of a thing. A lot of over the top CGI creature effects. It's a lot of fun. Uh, they did make a TV show to follow it on uh, that starred Roxanne McKee, and unfortunately, despite her casting it wasn't very good i did hope for better things yeah. um let's move on then to uh thursday which sees another movie our second movie of the week to star none other than dave franco yeah. i'd like to say again james has a brother what's his name dave franco why yes it is dave franco stars in nerve on thursday night on film four at 1105 alongside emma roberts i don't know if you remember this film yes, at all from I about do. three years ago i do and um, i might have got the premise slightly wrong but it's essentially you have to the, the you essentially showcase on social you doing more dangerous and dangerous tricks in order to bets you take wages effectively for cash money yeah exactly so it's kind of it's a social media phenomenon that gets out of hand essentially um really clever concept to this i think it was executed okay i think it worked yeah easy watch um i really liked the idea of it and i'm amazed that we haven't seen more films that kind of follow this this mm. line um, but Dave Franco is really good in it. Emma Roberts also really good in this as well. There's some hair-raising moments in it. It's got a nice balance of action and also kind of the storyline works because it's very topical. It's very now. Um, it's kind of like uh, cheap thrills with an added social media YouTube element yeah. to it. Yeah. Something like Guns Akimbo, but played more in the real world. Um, do you remember the sequence with the lady walking between two buildings on yeah, the ladder? On the ladder, yes, I do. That's yeah, ooh, that was hair-raising. Yeah, 
that's the thing. It's like I, I like it when a film actually makes you feel the vertigo or whatever mm. you're getting from it. And um, there was a great uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt film about um, the guy that high-wired across to build. Yeah, the walk. Was that the walk? Yeah, the walk. That that kind of stuff. And also, even in the aeronauts recently, that just got me uh, like yeah. got my vertigo going big time. So. This is a good one. This is a good one. I think so. Uh, let's move on, though, to the cherry on the top of our week, because I, th- I think you must be a fan of this. I, if you've seen it, I think you'll love this. I've never seen this. I'm, have you, you've I'm, never seen this? Oh, my God. It's record for me, because I'm so intrigued and would have loved to have gone and seen the West End show of this. So, Kinky mm-hmm. Boots, BBC One, 11, 10 p.m. I can only imagine that this is, this is a bit Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Oh, no, no, no. This, so, this stars Chiwetel Ejiofor. Right, this was a 2005 British movie yeah. starring Chiwetel Ejiofor as a drag queen named Lola from Soho. And when they actually show you that bit, you'll think, huh, we have screenings right next to that. But <laughs> it's one of those. Um, Chiwetel Ejiofor, as the drag queen Lola, becomes the unlikely friend and saviour of a, Northampt- a fledgling Northampton family-owned shoe company. Led by, uh, recently inherited by Joel Edgerton, he's being run into the ground, his father's business, and Lola asks if the shoe company can make make uh, a pair of the perfect uh, red velvet boots mm. that can that basically will allow you to look incredible incredible as a drag queen, but will also be designed for a man to stand in. Of course, leads to plenty of moments of hilarious confusion like this. What do you think? Burger. Please, God, tell me I have not inspired something burgundy. Red. Red. Red! Red! Charlie boy! Rule one! Red! It's the colour of sex! Burgundy is the colour of hot water bottles! Red! It's the colour of sex and fear! and danger, and signs that say, do not enter. All of my favorite things in life. Well, this movie's huge. People who love this movie really love this movie. I didn't get that. I went out with my ex-girlfriend for 10 years, and only then did I discover, during that time, that this is a full-blown phenomenon. This is a huge cult thing. The soundtrack is big. The stage show got created and evidently is huge as well. But you know what? It's all about Chiwetel Ejiofor and how darn delightful Lola is. Do you know what? I didn't expect to see him as the titular role in this. Um, so good. So yeah, good. So interesting. So, look, guys, check it out. BBC One, 11.10pm. Press, press the record button on it if you're not staying up so late. See what the fuss is about. But that's it. That's your movies on TV. That is all of your weekdays set out in stone for you. A great selection once again. And we're back and we're seeing you through to the end of another movie week with all of your releases on DVD, Blu-ray, and also streaming. So what do we got in terms of DVD and Blu-ray, Van? It's uh, Playing With Fire, I think? Yep, Playing With Fire comes out on DVD and Blu-ray and one presumes on digital platforms as well on Monday, May the 4th, this coming Monday. This was actually way better than I expected it to be. I mean, it it literally is the movie you think it is, but it's got just enough charm. Uh, The general idea is this is John Cena doing that movie that you know Vin Diesel did with The Pacifier, that The Rock did with The Game Plan, that Hulk Hogan did with Mr. Nanny, that Arnold Schwarzenegger did with Kindergarten 
cop. You know, that one that they've all done where they befriended... I mean, Stallone never did it, I don't think, although technically he had Spy Kids 3D. So this is John Cena's version. He is the firefighter in the cabin in the wilderness, leads a small team of smoke jumpers, and they have to take in a trio of wayward children for the weekend whilst they arrange their parents to, to come and collect them. And as you can probably predict, and as our clip will demonstrate, malarkey ensues. Put that down. No shenanigans on my watch. Yeah, no monkey shines, tomfoolery, or hijinks. You finished? Long as there's not a hint of malarkey. Whoa. Now, if I didn't know any better, I would say that that was sarcasm. So why don't we just take it down a notch, sister, okay? Maybe a little gratitude would be helpful. Sorry, bud, we just don't speak... Old Z times. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, but she's not stopping. No shenanigans, no malarkey, them's the rules. I remember this week, I was just trying to think why I haven't seen this film, and I remember it came out in a week and it was quite full of other big releases. Uh, yeah. So for me, it kind of fell by the wayside a little bit, but I'm glad to hear that it's watchable. It's, it's pretty good. I mean, like, literally, you'd imagine if anyone's going to pull off that lantern-jawed, oh, gee, shucks kind of character, like John Cena, absolutely. Uh, big points as well to his trio of supporting firemen in this, who include John Leguizamo on fine form, because when is he not? Wow. Keegan-Michael Key getting all the great lines you can hear in the, the clip there, and uh, Tyler Mayne, who I hadn't seen in anything for years since he played Sabretooth in the first X-Men movie. And there is a series of references and in-jokes in this movie to, like, the previous works that the actors have done so for instance John Leguizamo gets a Priscilla Queen of the Desert reference in there uh, sorry not Priscilla, uh, Tu Wong Fu the American sort right. of counterpoint yeah. uh, Tyler Mayne gets a reference to that time he fought a Wolverine which is an obscure one because you know I've not met any 20 year old children but okay I mean technically I'm a 36 year old child so it works on me but you get the idea yeah. <laughs> and it's fine it's one of those you put on and if you've got like you know seven eight year old kids and you're like you're babysitting for the afternoon you know you, you've got the, the DVD on for the seven eight year old kids you'll have a good few laughs at this as well also it's got Judy Greer as the love interest and she's always charming as hell oh I think it sounds like a really good fun family film that actually the adults can enjoy just as much as yeah. well, which is great to hear because I just think you know if you're stuck for things to watch with the kids because they're just driving you up the wall right now it's good to have something like this that's fresh and new and coming out indeed indeed I can't recommend it I think it's, I think it's worth checking out yeah absolutely right okay moving straight on to streaming we have a couple of trilogies for you so we, you guys are going to be spoiled for choice now for me this first set of trilogies I have to say I followed it back in the day with all the hype and the Oscars. Back in the day? Back in the Well, it's early 2000s, man. Like, come oh, on. it was now. Yeah, it was back in the day now, wasn't it? 20-odd years ago, or thereabouts, 15 to 20 years ago. Um, this is the gift that just kept on giving. This is Lord of the Rings trilogy uh, on Prime from Friday the May, uh, 1st of May. What's interesting so about today, So that's all there yeah. for you to watch. Now, I should stress as well, we're not sure which versions of these are on there. One assumes the theatrical versions, or that they could be standard we don't know wow yeah actually that's interesting because i was just about to say you've got you've got at least about 10 hours if not more of your life that you can just <laughs> 12 i think if you go for the extended as well about half, half a day um we're checking out the lord of the rings choice it's a hell of a cinematic marathon well it is but what i, I think is quite interesting is whether or not it it is gonna not date essentially do you know mm. what i mean like the effect I, and things like that 
I've always I've always been quite surprised. I've always found the special effects in Lord of the Rings, except for the time that Legolas you know skis his way down an elephant trunk. Um, except for that, I think the special effects tend to stay relatively timeless. It's not until The Hobbit that it all starts to fall apart. The CG becomes really rubbish and ropey. I think uh, LOTR though, darn good. Yeah, don't remind me of the high frame rate in uh, in The Hobbit. Oh no. We all walked out and went, what have we just seen? (laughs) (laughs) Why would you do this to us? Um, So let's talk then about our other trilogy, which is joining on Thursday, May the 7th on Amazon Prime. I think they've got something in the water. They're going going franchise mad. Um, It's the Oceans trilogy is coming to the platform. Way more up my street. I mean, you know, I could re-watch Oceans 11 again and again. And actually, do you know what? I didn't mind the all-female version as well. I I was just going to say, you're... like a prime candidate for one of Ocean's Eight yourself, Bex. I mean, I could absolutely see Thank you as a slick, slick urbanite feminine con-, con grifter. You know, I could absolutely see that. Well, you know, what you don't know won't hurt you, and I might be doing that on the side. So. <laughs> <laughs> I always wonder why you never return the call on the first go. Never mind. <laughs> so, Ocean's Trilogy on there. No word on Ocean's Eight yet, but uh, we shall see on that one. And of course, one last one to tip you off. And this uh, was meant to go theatrical, I think, but didn't really go very wide. And that uh, Ophelia, which is coming to Netflix on Tuesday, May the 5th. Um, this was a solo venture for Daisy Ridley post uh, Last Jedi. And the idea was to reimagine Hamlet from the perspective of Ophelia. Uh, I never I never got the chance to watch it myself, although I, I heard very mixed things. I'm intrigued to see Daisy Ridley in a leading role all unto herself, though. Well, I was going to say, the thing is, is that with Daisy Ridley, have we seen much of her outside of the Star Wars franchise? Not really. Mm-hmm. We saw uh, Murder on the Orient Express uh, as, as one, but, but again, she wasn't really taking on that leading role. The time is for her now. She needs mm-hmm. to make clever choices and do good film roles, which means that eventually she'll be able to break the... the I, I don't, take the, don't take this in the wrong way, but break the curse of, of Star Wars and actually become an actress in her own right and being able to do other things as well. If this one didn't really land, then I'm not really sure if there's going to be a, you know, a good, strong career ahead of her, really. Two, two points off the back of that. The first, I always thought Daisy Ridley should have been Lara Croft when they rebooted Tomb Raider. I thought she would have been great. Instead um, of Alicia Vikander. I'd, I'd actually preferred uh, Daisy Ridley. Also, actually, my first choice was always Gemma Artson, FYI. I think oh, she would yeah. have been yeah. incredible. But uh, beside the point. But the other thing is, when you were doing that just now, my first thought was, wow, we sound like football pundits yeah, critiquing the form of the game. And it just reminded me of a time when I, I think I was watching a bit of Match of the Day and I heard a man being... I'll just... I won't, I'll name the person. I'll just say someone being paid a lot of money by a national broadcaster. Say the words that he was being paid to say. The trouble with insert team name here is they don't win many games. And I couldn't help but think that that was just the most probing insight I've ever heard. And there was a moment there where you say, the problem is she needs to pick good movies. And I'm thinking, that's actually completely true. And at the same time... What can you say? There's that, like, she's, she's not picking great movies. She's not. She's not, is she? It's very strange. No, and I just think, you know, you've got to get, get your groove on, girl, because you've got to go and be able to try and see where you go beyond Star Wars. It's only going to last for so long. So, who are, your, uh, who are your actors, by the way, out of interest? Who are the ones that you look at and think, what? You, what, what is going on with you and your agent? Why are you picking the streak of movies? Do you have any actors like that that you think, like, where? how are you making these choices? There are so many. Um, we talked about, um, oh, who was Josh Hartnett last week, wasn't it? Josh Hartnett, but we also talked about, um, 
Oh goodness! The, the, there was an actor who played a really great villain, and he was going to be Wolverine, and then he felt. Oh, Dougray Scott. Dougray Scott, yes. Like things like that, where you kind of just go say to your agent, "Get me," <laughs> you know. But you know what? There's an actor I think did and still continues to do and, and uh, pick great roles is Carrie Mulligan. And I Definitely, yeah. Because she's not your conventional leading lady. She's not, you know, she's not the the starlet that you expect. But because of her choices, she's managed to have a really fruitful career. And I'm really looking forward to her next film as well. I don't know what's happening with the release date of that as yet. A Promising Young Woman, in which she takes on would-be sexual predators. Uh, very much looking forward to uh, to that film. And I, I believe that co-stars uh, Adam Brody yeah. from The O.C. as well. Indeed, yeah. One of my lockdown watches, actually, is The O.C. Uh, from- is it now? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'll have, to, I'll have to forward you an article I read on BuzzFeed the other day, definitively ranking the hotness of the men of the OC. I personally had forgot that Chris Pratt was ever even in the show. So did I. Good Lord. Yeah. Um, he was Shay. Goodness me. Anyway, look, we digress massively. We need to let you guys get on and watch some great movies and stop listening to us bat down poor old Daisy Ridley and think that there's a lot better actors, actresses out there. Well... To be honest, there probably is. Anyway, let's move on and leave you for another week. We'll be back next week with all of our lockdown movies for you to keep watching on your couch. Uh, but for now, this has been Off Screen, and I've been Bex Perfect. And I've been Van Carter. And we'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>